Hey everybody, this is Terry and Andrew versus the- Whoa! Oh, 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 you thought we were going to say Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. Uh, no, this is Terry and Andrew versus the Seattle International Film Festival, SIF, as, uh, as the- As the SIF calls it? As the SIF calls it. <laughs> as, as those in the know call it. First things first, this is obviously a special episode uh, where we're going to talk about all the movies that we saw at this year's Seattle International Film Festival. It's, it's, this episode's going to be special for a couple of reasons. Uh, the second of which being that I fucked up the cable for our fancy microphone, and so now we have to record it on my cell phone, just like the old times. Oh, uh, old times. So uh, it's like that Onion article, podcaster apologizes for audio quality. <laughs> promises I promise to do better. it's going to be better next one. Yeah, well, well but, uh, uh, I think we shouldn't have read that article and laughed at it because yeah, the today. article got its revenge. Yeah. Uh, Fuck you, Onion. Don't learn us. Uh, <laughs> so, in all sincerity, we do apologize for the audio quality of this episode if it sounds shittier than normal. We absolutely do. Uh, please, a thousand pardons. A thousand million pardons. So the Seattle International Film Festival, just talk a little bit about it first. Um, it's in its 44th year and uh, they've had some movies as the world premiere the original Alien was uh, a world premiere back in 1979, and then uh, Ghost World, which is very similar to the original Alien. Oh, yeah. Uh, was... You could almost say it was a sequel. Yeah. It, I mean, the way Steve Buscemi is in space in the movie, and then Thor Birch had the. You know, she had chest the burster. chest burster, yeah. yeah. Uh, weird. Yep. Weird. And the way Scarlett Johansson was. There. There. She's just, she she just, just there. there. Yeah. You just so, have to squint. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, those are two of the bigger, more well-known movies that, that they've had, that have had world premieres at SIF. You know, if you have not been able to discern this from the previous 34 episodes of the podcast, we like movies a bit. A, and, lo- you know, a little bit. And, a little bit. And, and we both like uh, SIF a whole bunch. It's yep. probably like my favorite time of the year, even though it's exhausting. Andrew really introduced me to it, and I'm kind of shocked I wasn't like in on it sooner. It was uh, our friend Danielle who introduced me to it. So yeah. she is the original SIFer. Yeah, the, as far as uh, we're concerned. It's definitely up there for me, too, in terms of favorite events of the year. The festival's pretty long-running. Any of you who are not familiar with SIF probably don't realize how long the festival runs, and I think that's probably something really unique in terms of film festivals as well, as it goes on for, like, four weeks. It's kind of like a marathon. Especially for the people working yeah. for the festival. Oh, like shit. they I don't know how they get through it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they just like spend the following week sleeping after the festival ends. Yeah, just hibernating. For us as movie enthusiasts, it's a It's a pretty fun time. It's a fun time, but it is also kind of exhausting. Trying to fit in as many movies as we can so often it would result in like six or seven movies a weekend. So the festival usually has like I think this year it was just over 4,000 submissions and they, they narrowed it down to around between 300 and 400 movies. And so we, this year we saw, I think, including the Secret Film Festival, we saw probably about uh, 23, 24 of them altogether. Almost a movie a day. Oh, yeah. You enjoy it while it's happening, but like when it's over, you're like, thank God I can... I'm, oh man, I actually have weekends to do other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for this episode, we're going to be talking about the 20 or so movies that we saw over the span of those three or four weeks. The ones that we can talk about at the, least. The one, yeah, we're not allowed to speak of the 
secret film festival except of course to tell you that they were the first four critters movies uh, yeah 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 so i mean that aside that. we really can't talk Ooh. about anything aside from the fact that uh critters 2 is a masterpiece i would say like uh, um yeah it's a real tour de force uh, as uh, they say exactly so we're just going to kind of run down the list of movies that we saw in alphabetical order in alphabetical order and uh a lot of them actually probably are not going to be released in america at least not not theatrically yeah not on a scale that most people will be able to see them i think they said 70 percent of the movies don't get any other american screenings really yeah like in the theater so it's 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 a special opportunity yeah i think what we're gonna do is when we do the blog post we'll put trailers for all these movies all the ones that we can find at least yeah. so um you can take a look and get a feel for these all right so let's talk about the first movie on the list here which is one that you actually would be able to see in a theater properly uh which was american animals you saw it twice though i saw it twice movie so nice i had to see it twice <laughs> you possibly have seen some trailers for this but it, it's a movie about uh some college kids in kentucky who decide that uh they're gonna do a, a heist to steal a bunch of super valuable books from one of the students college libraries so it's actually, it's based, not even based on a true story. They say that it is a true story. It, it totally is a true story. Right. So it's it, kind of like reenacted. Yeah, exactly. They, they, it's part documentary, part reenactment with proper Hollywood actors. And so they will cut between the scripted movie and then interviews with the actual people, the kids who are now grown adults uh, since this happened like 15 years ago or so, I think. So it's really an interesting kind of juxtaposition between the two. They kind of play with that in a few different ways throughout just like inserting the real people into scenes with the actors at some points and right and, and just like showing the faultiness of memories and how people remember things differently unreliable narration yeah tara was off in china for the first week and so i saw a couple of movies that she didn't see but uh i liked it enough to feel like it was worth seeing again when we had some time to kill between other movies yeah i'm glad you went to see it with me again so the next in our list is a prayer before dawn and this was a movie, scripted movie, based on a true story. And it's about a Scottish boxer who's living in Thailand. And aside from his bouts, he's also dealing in heroin. So he gets busted for that and winds up in a Thai prison. And something that's really amazing about this movie is that they filmed it in a real Thai prison with a lot of real prisoners. Yeah. Like, really really impressive and it just has so much potential to go wrong um you know i'm sure there's some safeguards but i don't know it still seems like it's a pretty tense situation no matter what uh kind of precautions you kind of take yeah just one thing i want to say um uh, if you're at all squeamish you know i've got a pretty high tolerance for some stuff but there were a number of scenes where i had to avert my eyes and kind of follow what was happening in my peripheral vision, yeah. so just bear that in mind. Yeah, uh, Tuck Prison's not a fun, safe place to be, and this movie does not really pull many punches. The narrative is, feels pretty loose at times, just because there's not really any exposition, necessarily, either. Yeah. We, we've seen our share of episodes of Locked Up Abroad, so... <laughs> this, oh, God. <laughs> you and want to I, talk about the Venezuela episode my, now? I left my hat in the cab, and that's when things I knew just things were really bad. There's a really great and horrible episode of Locked Up Abroad. Maybe we'll link to that. <laughs> yes, we too, totally should. Because, uh, I don't know, it's this really 
It's something. It's worth seeing. It's yeah. <laughs> I think trying to describe it won't do it justice. But if you got like forty five minutes after you listen to this uh, three hour long episode of this. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll link to that as a special bonus in the show notes because it really, it's a pretty great episode for numerous reasons. Uh, so yeah. so look forward to that. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty compelling. Yeah, it was definitely a compelling movie, and I'm curious to read the autobiography that yeah. it was based on. Neither one of us knew going in that it was based on real events, and then like the, at the end of the movie they reveal that. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit, that's... But, huh, all right, that guy is uh, pretty tough Pretty tough and amazing Yeah. to live through that. So, um, next movie that we saw is Crime and Punishment, which is a documentary about the, uh, the NYPD 12, uh, which are a group of police officers in New York who stood up against the quotas their superiors uh, were making them try the to The illegal quotas. Right, yeah. yeah. For, like, arrests and, and things like that, citations. They were basically being told, even though legal ruling had come down, saying that they could not have quotas for arrests and citations each month. Uh, their superiors were still making them do it. And so these 12 police officers banded together and took a stand. And so the movie is talking about the problems with the NYPD that kind of necessitated them taking a stand and then just the fallout from them taking a stand. And it was really good. We both liked it a whole lot. One of the officers was actually there for the screening that we went to. Yeah, which was really cool. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of stories about really horrible shit that police officers do that are out there. And this doesn't diminish any of that at all. I think it's still something that happens way too often. But it's, you know, these particular officers are taking a stand really they really care about protecting the safety of their community. And so it's really kind of refreshing and a relief to see that in action, I guess I should say. Yeah. And just in, in seeing some of the pressures that they're under as well-intentioned as you might be, some of the pressures that you're under can force you into a pretty bad position. I don't want to go into it too much, but just want to say, I knew it was going to be a bit of a gut punch going into it and it, and it was, but so worth it. So definitely make sure to see that. Yeah, it's, it's I think, a really important movie. Out of, like, any of the documentaries that we saw, that's probably the one that I would say... Like, everybody should be... Everybody should have to watch it. Yeah. In the in the United States, anyway. Yeah. There's shit that needs to be fixed with uh, the policing systems, and, and this just tackles a small part of it. But th- these are the people that we depend on to keep us safe, and that doesn't always seem like that is the motivation for at least the administrative side of running the police departments. They go into a little bit of why that is the case, but mm-hmm. like seeing stuff like this, showing that there are police officers out there who really are dedicated to what everybody should want police officers to be. I think. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're willing to put their livelihoods out on the line to stand up against this kind of crap, so. Yeah, one of the guys says that, like, you know, if, if standing up against this mandatory arrest thing you know prevents me from getting promoted then so be it i'd rather stay in the position that i am and do what i feel a police officer should be doing side note uh if any of you are interested in the topic of policing in general we just got through with watching problem areas with Wyatt snack yeah and uh one of the NYPD 12 is actually a recurring uh, panel member panel member on the show. So Yeah, it, it's a show that kind of is in the 
same mold as last week tonight, where it's like pretty well researched political commentary. And then over the 10 episodes in the season, the persistent uh, topic that they tie a lot of things into is related to policing in America. And it's a really good show. I think a lot of people are kind of maybe wary to watch stuff like that, but it's pretty even handed the way that oh, they yeah. handle it. It's not just like, fuck the police and that's it. They, yeah, it's not at all like that. Yeah, and it's stuff that we need to be talking about and trying to address, but a lot of people are hesitant to do it for fear of seeming like they're anti-police. It's not really so much individuals necessarily. It's, you know, systems that are in place that really need to be reviewed closely. And, yeah. um, you know, we're so deep into a lot of these systems, it's hard to come up with a good solution to a lot of the issues that we're seeing. But... Um, definitely a conversation that we should be having. Yeah, so also not related to Sif, but also something really <laughs> worth checking out if, uh, if you have access to HBO. It's, it's a really good show. Yeah. Uh, and funny, not just, uh, yeah, not just... <laughs> depressing police talk all the time. Yep. Yeah, so anyway. So next up, uh, we have Dead Pigs, which is a movie from China. It's a story about different people trying to make it in a town or a city kind of outside of Shanghai. So there's some different individual stories that kind of interconnected in a way. And it's loosely around this issue where all these dead pigs are being found in a river. I don't know if I'm describing it well, but it's like a it's a dark comedy. Yeah, it's, it's a trickier one to describe just because there are so many plot lines that converge and then diverge yeah. at, at points. Yeah, because uh, it's like a, it's the, the main characters are all members of this family. One of them is a pig farmer. The other one is the, the sister of the pig farmer who's living in a house that is on the verge of being torn down. To make room for this huge housing development <laughs> that an American developer is trying to get started in China. Yeah, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe, but I mean, it, it really touches a lot on globalization in a way and, and modernization and looking at traditional Chinese culture and values versus, oh, let's have all this new stuff based off of European or American cities, and isn't that cool? And it, one thing I noticed when I was in China a few weeks ago is just how much the middle class has grown since I went there when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think Dead Pigs is kind of a comment on that, and like the there's still people who are left out of that, you know, there's still people who are not raised up with this huge boom in the middle class in China. You know, it's still not an easy place to get by for a lot of people, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, but interesting movie, and that sounds all really kind of deep, but it's it's, it's, it's actually a really kind of funny movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird and darkly funny. But yeah, that was, yeah, really, really interesting. That's not a useful thing to say. About <laughs> Just check out the trailer. <laughs> yeah, although I don't think there's a good trailer for it. I don't know that there is either. Um, it's something, yeah, that we're maybe not doing full justice here just because it is difficult to describe. But it, I think it was... Especially we really don't want to give away too much. We really don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. Moving along, rather than just having us kind of talk circles around how we can't <laughs> really talk about it properly. Uh just we'll just leave it at saying that it's really good, and if you can see it somehow, you, you, you should try to for sure. Yeah, even if it, our description doesn't make it sound like it's up your alley, just it's worth giving a shot. Yep. So, uh, next up on the list, uh, Irimentari, the blacksmith and the devil, uh, dark folk tale, fairy tale. 
So it's set in the 19th century in a small town in Spain that... Uh, in gov- the Basque region. In the Basque region that a government official is sent to to try to track down some gold that had gone missing. And uh, the, the townsfolk lead him to the blacksmith, who is like a hermit feared by the population of the town from stories of him being super brutal and vicious and just violent. It kind of it has a slow start to it, I think. Yeah, for sure. But it eventually takes a turn for the supernatural, as you might be able to discern from the, the devil being in the title. It's really just good. It's just really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like a really um, surprising sense of humor to yeah. it. And it's just really a, a kind of unique story. It's based on an actual folktale that was documented by a priest and anthropologist in the early 1900s. Really cool story. The imagery's really captivating. It takes a turn for the crazy, like the last 20 minutes or so. Pretty, yeah. Pretty nuts. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and the trailer doesn't really... It doesn't reveal too much. Gives you too much to work with. It's a slow start, like I said, but it, once it, it picks up speed, it, it's uh, really something. Yeah. Let's talk First Reformed. So this is a movie that you'll probably have more access to, again, than some of the others that we're talking about. Uh, So this movie was directed by Paul Schrader and stars Ethan Hawke. So it's a really fascinating look at a priest who's dealing with some issues of his own. Then he gets ensnared in the lives of this young married couple who are very focused on the environment and... How fucked we all like are. Like, how fucked we are, yeah. Like, how much we fucked up. They take it to quite an extreme, more so than a lot of environmentalists. And they're they're kind of in, involved in this sort of more... Radical. Radical group. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Ethan The, Hawks, the husband is. The husband least. is, yeah. And the wife's kind of concerned about him. And so that's how Ethan Hawke, the priest in this film, gets sort of tangled up with them. Yeah, because uh, the, the wife goes to him trying to get him to offer counseling to her husband who's just like massively depressed looking at all the, the horrifying news about the environment. And so he goes to speak with them and then things do not take a turn for the better for really anybody and Ethan Hawke kind of gets more and more drawn into the same kind of mindset that y- the husband Yeah. And Paul Schrader is the guy who did taxi driver and so he's got a pretty good resume for the most part i think we liked it i yeah liked it up until maybe the like last five minutes of the right. movie. like the ending is there's a shift in tone that i didn't yeah entirely... yeah i you know maybe it's up a little bit for interpretation yeah. so depending on how you look at the ending you may or may not be <laughs> satisfied yeah with it, it um so just bear that in mind up until that point i really liked it and then at, at the ending we're just like huh don't know how I feel about how that ended. But yeah, there's some ambiguity there. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe it wasn't intended to be <laughs> interpreted in, in ways, but that's kind of how I've chosen to look at it. It's really interesting. And it's also depressing because, you know, a lot of the stuff that they talk about in the movie related to the environment is uh, factual. So it's not a feel-good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's really interesting in a lot of ways it's a thought-provoking movie it's a thinker for sure yeah and maybe the ending doesn't totally nail it but maybe it does depending on yeah how you interpret it so sure uh so the next movie we saw is uh the guilty so it's a danish thriller set entirely in a emergency dispatch center 
And it's about a police officer who is in the last day of his punishment for some reason that you don't really know about at the outset of the movie. And he gets a phone call from a lady who sounds like she's in a pretty bad state, taken away against her will by somebody. So the movie is him following up on this, trying to get as much information as he can to try to rescue her, even though he really can't do anything physically. He's uh, got his career experience as a, a police officer, and so he uses that and his connections to try to, to try know. to help the situation go above and beyond like what any normal emergency dispatcher would likely be able to do. Right. It's really well done. Just setting movie entirely in a call center, essentially. It doesn't sound like it's going to be super engaging, but it is. It's very gripping. Oh, totally. The the use of audio in it is really excellent. I think it won like the audience pick for best director or something like that. It does a lot without having, you know, a lot to work with. Physically, it's a very contained story. Yeah. But they get a lot out of it. It's, um, It's amazing the amount of tension that can be built. Yeah. In like you're saying, kind of an office call center environment. So So yeah, if you were able to see it, that's well worth checking out. All right. So next in the list is Hagazusa, a film that is probably more fun to say than it is to watch. Yeah, Um, it was pretty disappointing. Yeah, it was pretty hyped. Yeah. As this masterpiece kind of in the vein of The Witch. Right. You know, The Witch is very methodical in its pacing. It's not bone-chilling every minute or something, but it's slow, but it's... Like, there's, like, a building unease through it, like a sense of dread that you get. But with Hagazusa, not so much. It's extremely beautifully shot. Yeah. Gorgeously shot. There's a lot of really visually captivating and really well-composed scenes. That said, we were not so enthused with the plot and sometimes lack thereof. There's no exposition really at all. And it takes place over a few different periods of time. And it's about this uh, mother and her daughter who are involved in some... Like a pagan lifestyle. And in fact, the subtitle of the movie is A Heathen's Curse, Yeah, which is pretty appropriate. Yeah. This was actually a student film. I think it was the final project for the director for film school. It was like his thesis, essentially. Right. So while we weren't as awed by it as a lot of others might have been, you know, the director might be someone to watch out for if he's able to get the, like I said, the exposition side of things together. Um, Could end up making some pretty cool movies. Yeah, just it was a movie that just had a lot of shots, like still shots of with very little happening in it. You can get away with that to an extent, but it happened a lot in this movie. It's like, give us something to work with. So, All right. I think that wraps it up for Hagazusa. Yeah. Next, Lots of Kids, A Monkey in a Castle, uh, which was a Spanish documentary about this family who fell into wealth very quickly. And uh, the matriarch of the family who was a real character. The The title of the movie comes from her ambitions when she was younger to have a lot of kids, a monkey in a castle. And she, upon getting wealthy, accomplished all three things. And so it feels like a home movie because it is essentially like a well-produced home movie filmed by one of the sons. Kind of going into the, the crazy history. History of how they got to where they were and sort of dealing with changes in circumstances. Yeah. Um... 
and this funny obsession with finding the vertebrae, the vertebrae of, of the matriarch's grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> so, which which is somewhere in their castle full of junk. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's almost, it's hoarder levels of oh, for stuff real. that this lady has accumulated. I, you think, how the hell could someone fill up a castle? Oh, she did. Oh, she did. And they had a warehouse. Well, it was a, a, a factory. They used to have a factory <laughs> that turned... was also full of basically a giant storage space. Yeah. Them. Oh, my word. So it's really a fascinating movie just in that it really gets into the home life of these people that you know just like the intimacy that you don't even always necessarily get with other documentaries I oh feel for like. real it's a light watch yeah it's it's you're not going to be reflecting on it constantly after yeah watching, but it, it's, it's definitely fun yeah it's worth your time like i said i i laughed quite a lot yeah. at it so. you don't get that a lot with documentaries no <laughs> laughing at a documentary it's not... no i mean it was very entertaining yeah and yeah so i liked it yeah me too so next in the list, we have Marlena the Murderer in Four Acts, which is a movie based off of a small island in Indonesia. Uh, so it centers around Marlena, the titular character, who is a widow living in a sort of isolated area outside of a town. Yeah, it's pretty rural. And then a gang sets upon her and decides to rob her and rape her and then this is kind of the movie is sort of following how she deals with it and she does deal with it oh she deals with she it deals very with it. aptly yeah <laughs> the, the name is not a uh, misleading no it's not at all misleading off. it's it's a pretty literal title um it has like a really good sense of humor and i i never really thought too much about going to indonesia before and yeah. i was just after watching them like huh i could kind of see myself yeah. Checking some of this out, yeah, maybe I mean, it's it's got without some... the murder, well, and we'll see rape how it goes. and rob robbery, not but... the rape, but I mean, <laughs> murders happen all the time. So, I mean... <laughs> murders just happen. Uh, well, that, that's a poor quote from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So next in the list, we have Moomins in the Winter Wonderland, which is a kind of stop motion animation film. Uh, that came out of Sweden, and it's based on the Finnish characters Moomin and Moomin Troll with his parents Moomin Mama and Moomin Papa and their goofy friends and all the eccentric characters that live in Moomin Valley. It's a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie, and it's based on a really famous series of kids' books that came from Finland uh, by Tova Jansson, who was a lesbian and Swedish speaking Finn and you know really cool funny eclectic characters and um just really great really great characters I I super love the Moomins yeah so of course we had to go see it yes well you've got a pretty pretty great Moomin tattoo yeah so it's kind of a, kind of a given that we were gonna see it if we had a chance to but... uh-huh we've seen a couple of Moomin movies and this one was really sweet there's not a whole ton of plot. Typically, the Moomins hibernate through the winter. And so in this movie, Moomin Troll wakes up in the middle of their hibernation. Is like, hey, what's this Christmas thing that people are talking about? And so it's kind of the Moomins discovering Christmas and, and the holiday season. Yeah. It's a really sweet, mellow movie. Yeah. Um, with cute stop motion animation. Like the Rankin and Bass style. classic style. Right. 
it's uh, very, very soothing to the point where, because I was so tired from, I think, having seen movies the night before, like late into the night, I mm-hmm. almost uh, drifted off to sleep, which is not a knock against the movie, but it, it's uh, just very... Very soothing. Soothing and, yeah. It's, and relaxing movie. So, you know, like a, a good thing to maybe watch with your family, with kids around the, the holidays. It was a good palate cleanser from all of the depression and violence and all the other movies. <laughs> Pretty much every other single movie we saw was yeah. uh, dark or uh, violent in some way. So. Dark or violent or or disturbing or saddening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so we needed it. It was uh, therapeutic for us. So, uh, yeah, so the next movie was one that I saw on my own uh, that we did not get the chance to go see again. But it was... Uh, Another documentary, uh, The Most Unknown, a documentary that follows briefly nine different scientists in different fields um, as they both describe what it is that they're studying and then meet up with the the next scientist in line. So there's like a scientist that deals with microbiology and there's like a deep sea exploring marine life scientists like astronomers and it's just really interesting as it follows each one of them as they meet up with one scientist and then that scientist meets up with the next in line and they kind of compare notes with how their fields of study overlap and so it's really cool to see these professionals in these different fields interacting with one another and finding common ground and pretty unique in that regard and they're there's a great sequence at the very end where the the last scientist that they meet up with is like a psychiatrist in human behavior who applied that to examining monkeys to try to kind of get a better understanding of human behavior based off of what the monkeys were doing. Yeah, just a good, if if brief, glimpse at all these different fields that you may not necessarily know much about. Know much about, yeah. Have much access to. Right. Huh. So. I'm curious how they decided... Who met up with who? Yeah, I don't know. There was, like, enough common ties between some of them, I think, to where they, like, had it structured, just the, the different fields structured in a particular fashion. So it was, fashion. like, the most... There, there was some um, overlap where they would have enough common mm. or relatable experiences in their fields to have there be some easier common ground to find yeah. between the two of them. It's an American documentary, so I'm sure that it's going to be available if you are in the U.S. at some point. I think it was uh, a movie that was funded and created by the science wing of Vice Magazine. Oh. So, I think Motherboard, I think is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they kind of uh, were the ones that were responsible for putting it together, which is cool. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, we next have very different... In tone, uh, but another documentary, Pick of the Litter, yes. which was a movie that followed a litter of puppies that are bred and they try to raise them in order to be guide dogs for for the blind and sort of going through the whole process that they do in order to try to determine if these dogs will grow up capable of being guide dogs and and just, every, oh my gosh, all the training and how many people are involved with the upbringing. And it was just an interesting process and something I don't think we get a whole lot of visibility to. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was just really cute kind of following five puppies, five adorable puppies. Yeah. But yeah. also rooting. a little kind of, yeah, rooting for them and sort of feeling sad for them when there was like a setback or something. Yeah. But, uh, Very sweet movie. And... Just seeing the amount of work that goes into to training 
these dogs, it's like, oh, these these animals are really special and they're working animals and it's for real something that you can kind of lose sight of pretty easily since they're you know the domesticated pets you know they are put through a pretty strenuous training process and they one of the things they show is how the dogs have to know when to obey what their owners are saying but also when not to obey what the owners are saying because doing what their owners are saying might put them into danger like get them run over by a car or whatever so like the dog has to use its own judgment to disobey its owners at, at points, which is just incredible. Crazy. Yeah. It's totally incredible. Yeah. So it's just how you train a dog to know how to do that. It's just, it's beyond me. It's totally beyond me too. But seeing how much autonomy it gives the owners that are partnered with, yeah. with these guide dogs, is just amazing. Yeah. It really just enhances their quality of life to a pretty substantial degree. And so it's, it's, very touching to see these adorable dogs helping somebody out like that. You know, if a documentary about puppies can make you teary-eyed, this is definitely one that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody pretty much in the audience was sniffling at various points. Yep. So Pig is the next movie we're going to talk about. And this is by Mani Hagigi, who um, directed a film we saw last year at SIF called A Dragon Arrives, which was pretty excellent. Yes. And this movie shares some of its irreverence and, and cool, crazy, bright visual style while also kind of being in a very different... Dark comedy. <laughs> yeah, dark comedy. So it's following an Iranian film director who's been blacklisted, relegated to filming commercials, essentially, and he still tries to instill his artistic stamp on the commercials he's making. So there's this really great one he's working on for... Or like a pesticide. A pesticide. And so he's got these women dressed up like bugs and they're vomiting out like green jelly. Yeah, glittery. Glittery jelly. jelly. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. So he's blacklisted and he's sort of trying to deal with that and and get back to being able to make real films. And at the same time, there is someone going around murdering directors. So this guy that we're following, he's kind of a man baby. Yeah. <laughs> in an endearing way yeah, he's, he's like he's not insufferable he's like. not insufferable but he's definitely like babied a lot and like his mom lives with him and, and consoles him all the time for various things yeah one of the funnier scenes in the movie he's like why has this killer not come after me i am a well-regarded director and, and his mom's like don't worry the murder is gonna come after yeah. you and, he, <laughs> and it like cheers him up yeah so <laughs> We've seen a few Iranian movies now, and it's really cool oh because it, uh, it has, like, some of the directors of movies that we've seen before. Like, uh, when we saw The Circle, Jafar Nahi, he's in it. He's one of the directors. No, he doesn't get murdered, right? Right. No. Um, but he's, he's in it, and so it's just, like, kind of this inside baseball kind of movie because it's got all these direct references to filmmaking in Iran. But also, uh, Mani Hagihi? Hagigi, yeah. Um, he's like one of the people that gets murdered. So just to make a movie where you yourself get murdered as yourself. like He was being... like the first one murdered. Yeah. So <laughs> just like self-referential and, and dark and funny. And so just it really made us want to go check out more of his movies because uh, Dragon Arrives is really pretty amazing also. Yeah. I think we'll probably end up talking about that in one of the regular episodes of the podcast. Yep. But um yeah, definitely somebody that uh, we will keep our eyes out for. 
just yeah. based off of these two movies alone. There was one line in the movie that just really, really tickled me. And I actually reached into my purse and pulled out a pen and scrawled it on my hand in the dark because I wanted to remember. And it was... So is it like something that they were saying in a Oh, yeah. Welcome to the was... world of glitter and 70s lifestyle music. Yeah. <laughs> so these next two movies are ones that I also... <laughs> Because my bad husband, basically, I saw these two movies. <laughs> You're not a bad... Yeah, you should have just been sitting at home, sadly, sadly. in the dark, I, while I, I'm in China on yeah. a work trip. <laughs> Seeing gruel uh, in tap water. <laughs> so yeah, these uh, these next two movies are ones that I saw on my own. So uh, Prospect, which uh, I did not like very much, which is really unfortunate because it is a super local production, and it's uh, kind of a hard sci-fi movie. It's about space prospectors who are trying to get this one last score on this uh, very green planet that looks very much like the forests in the Pacific Northwest before the uh, transportation system is taken out of service for that. So they're just trying to eke as much money as they can out while the, the getting is still good. So it's his father and daughter, like teenage daughter duo, who are trying to do this. And they come across some pretty bad space bandits who try to ruin their plans and there's a space gunfight and it's all the stuff that should really appeal to me but did not just for whatever reason I think I might just it could be that I was not in the right mindset for it but uh just the characters were not likable at all like the teenage daughter really is the main character pretty quickly into the movie uh, when things go bad and aside from her being in a bad situation you don't really feel anything for her like oh that's shitty for her to be in this situation but it's kind of a teenage shit so i don't really like her at all so i'm not <laughs> like invested in her well-being necessarily and then just like the audio seemed off like there's a lot of talking through breathing suit helmets and, and stuff like that so the, the dialogue is not always super discernible so it just was frustrating and kind of meandering and it's a very good looking movie like uh, Hagazusa was, like I'll, I'll give it that much, but just left me feeling unsatisfied by the end of it. And it was, I think, at South by Southwest, it was given some award where it's like, this is the most unique movie. Nothing really is like it. It's uh, it's one of a kind. And so they won whatever award that is that they have. And being one of a kind is not always a positive thing like you're unique but it doesn't mean that it's good necessarily yeah and i did not think this was very good unfortunately that's a shame because the trailer looks really good yeah it's it looks very good that's that's how they get you uh but story not so much the next movie though in line that i saw on my own the last of the movies i saw by myself was uh revenge which is a french feminist rape revenge movie and it's like very much indebted to the grindhouse style of movies uh like it's really gritty super super bloody really surreal at times and it's uncomfortable like obviously like a rape revenge movie is going to include a rape scene in it it. and that's handled in a way that's impactful without being graphic which is good that's one of the concerns that i had about it going in uh so that's one of the things that they kind of dial back on but then everything else is entirely nuts to compensate for that in terms of the uh the violence as the the main lady extracts the the titular revenge on these creeps really tense and 
cathartic. Like when I saw it in the theater, it was one of the midnight movies that I saw and the audience was fucking eating it up as she enacted her revenge. Like there's a lot of cheering and, and hooting. <laughs> so it was, it was really fun. Yeah. And I think it's actually on Amazon now. So you, not like Prime, but you can rent it on Amazon right now. So yeah, worth checking out for sure. Yeah, sounds like one that would be good to see with a group of people. Um, having been to a number of midnight movies at SIF, it really does add to the whole experience when you're yeah. like in this dark room with a bunch of people who are all cheering along for something or laughing together. And yeah, you know, it's definitely a, a fun and special experience. It, it, yeah, it for is. you know, for some cases, for some cases, like sometimes going <laughs> people to shut the fuck up. Yeah, but like for movies like this, it really it, it enhances the experience. Uh, so. I've got the fun honor of talking about the next movie, uh, which was another midnight movie, and unfortunately, not so much one that people were hooping and hollering for. It was yeah. called Ruin Me. Um, yeah. It looks like it was going to be a fun, campy throwback to... Like a slasher. Yeah, like slasher movies. Kind of parody. Yeah. And it's based on the idea that these this group of people are going on a horror camp out. So they are given a very limited supply of things and they have to survive the weekend and they're kind of thrown into the woods with some sort of goals along the way. Yeah, puzzles to solve and and such. Yeah, almost all the characters are pretty... One note. One note. Unlikable. Unlikable. The film quality wasn't super great. Yeah, it looks looks bad. It's like video garbagey. Yeah. And I think just like the It tries to be funny and it's it, like fails. every single joke does not land. Yeah, there's like a comedic relief character who is just like instantly unlikable and unfunny. Yep. And yeah, and just like the preppy goth dude. What was his oh, name? God. Fucking, I don't even remember, but he had just Raven like a... McClaw. Sad. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember, but it was a pretty oh. it was a pretty garbage goofy name Hang yeah let's see if i can find it quickly on, okay on google pitch pitch yeah jesus christ yeah uh that's what a goth guy would name himself all right pitch pitch just yeah so it's just it doesn't, it, it doesn't know what it's going for totally i feel like yeah that was our impression at least you know it should have been right up our alley it wasn't scary. There were no scary parts or even tense parts, really. No. And then it tried to become kind of a twisty thriller towards the like the middle and last half of the movie. Like, well, what's going on here? What, like, they're trying to throw a curveball. And it's just like, no, this isn't doing anything. No. Like, it's not interesting. And then just, like, the ending is insulting. Yeah, totally. And is heavily reliant on the idea that, like, a, a therapist would just be, like, an evil sociopath manipulating everybody in order to try to Oops, retain his alert. girlfriends. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> don't go fucking... Do not... Don't watch this movie. It's, uh, it's a don't watch, definitely, on our, our scale. Yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to think of how to tell Andrew and our friend Mike that I wanted to leave the movie. Yeah. And I, and was, I was like, no, maybe they're enjoying it for some reason. Well, you know, I wasn't enjoying because I'm just like, this yeah. is really bad about 20 minutes in. God. The, the acting is just fucking awful across the board. Lesson learned, we have to, like, say out loud yeah. somehow, yeah. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I think just saying, this movie's bullshit, let's go. Just, like, loudly <laughs> standing up and saying that. 
Like it was, it was so sad. There was a guy that in line in front of us as we were going in that had briefly talking to us and talking about how he had just moved to Seattle not that long ago and he was kind of on his own. And then like partway through the movie, we saw him get up and just walk out of the theater and not come back. I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't sorry, dude. You. Going out of alphabetical order, we also saw another midnight horror movie that I forgot to put on the list in in its correct position. But we saw the the Devil's Doorway, which was like a Scottish found footage horror movie set in the 60s in a convent yeah Yeah, not really a convent it was like a place where they would send unmarried pregnant women women to to go hide their shame and so there's these two priests who are investigating it because they've uh, received claims of like uh, one of the statues of Mary Magdalene bleeding from the eyes or whatever and so they're investigating that to see if it's a hoax or an actual miracle and the older of the priest is super skeptical and the the younger priest is more bright-eyed and bushy-tailed yeah that way and he's the one who is subjected to all the crazy uh monstrous things that go on to like the the older priest really doesn't see any of that until it gets to a point where it's kind of too late too late yeah it wasn't very good. It was, it was all it right. Was, it was all right. But it's just we've seen so many found footage horror flicks that at this point for us, we're just kind of like, yeah, 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 I could see it coming. And it does the thing that I really don't like about horror movies where it shows you like not necessarily the exact end, but something very close to the end as like the first scene in the movie. So it's yeah. like, oh, OK, well, that really kind of destroys any kind of tension because I know at least this person is going to make it quite a ways into whatever story it is. Yeah, for real. It was fine. Yeah. But it didn't really break any new ground, and it used a lot of the kind of, I think, worst aspects of fan footage for movies. Yeah. Where it's like, how did this movie get put together? Who uh, who actually edited (laughs) all this? One thing that's cool about it, I think, is the first female-directed horror film out of Northern Ireland. It's not necessarily... A shitty movie. No, it's not. At all. And, you know, it's really competently done. And if, if you're a fan of found footage, you know, maybe you'll enjoy it. Or or you haven't seen too many of them or whatever. Just we've seen so many of them. And for us, you know, it's kind of... Derivative. Derivative. But, you know, I'm not going to knock it if, if this is your jam. Like, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. Anyhow. Yeah. I mean, Midnight Movies, it, it's a uh, roll the dice. All right. So moving right along. Uh, next up is a documentary called Three Identical Strangers, which is a really, really fascinating true story. Obviously, since it's a documentary, it's a fascinating story of triplets who did not know that they had brothers. They'd all been adopted out and they somehow, they all managed to find each other as young adults and just sort of telling the story of, of them how they met and sort of where their lives went and then also kind of exploring why were these triplets all adopted out separately yeah and it's i always hesitate to say on something like oh and there's twists but there's like twists upon twists in this movie oh my god and it's a documentary so like it gets pretty nuts it totally starts off with one tone for like the first half of the movie i'd say uh, pretty close to half, and then it like very much changes tone. Yeah, but it's super well done. Yeah, and it makes sense. The tone shift is appropriate. Super highly recommended. Yeah, 
it's uh it's gonna get a wider release too i'm sure because it's oh another, totally yeah it's another u.s documentary so you'll be able to see that shortly i'm, I'm sure if it's not already out yeah so next up uh getting close to the end of the list here just a couple more movies uh under the tree which is a icelandic drama very dark comedy i would say very like, dark very, comedy very dark comedy <laughs> um, i mean you, you have to be kind of along, along our lines where we have pretty twisted senses of humor yeah it's about <laughs> uh, this guy who is like thrown out of his apartment his wife throws him out of the apartment when she finds the video of him having sex with another woman that he's gonna masturbate to and so she she kicks him out and he has to go back and live with his parents, and his parents are, his mom at least, is in a really bad way because uh, his his brother had disappeared sometime earlier, and so presumed she's... Presumed dead, yeah, but presu- never found. Everybody but the mother really presumes that, he, that this other brother has died, but she's still in denial and is really struggling with the, the loss. And so it's just the... Showing the conflict between the the mother and the the father, and then the, uh, with the, their next door neighbors, so they're just having these really petty arguments with over ridiculous stuff. Like under the tree is a reference to the fact that they have a tree that's like casting shade that the neighbors don't like onto their deck, and so the, that's this point of contention. So these kind of minor squabbles begin to escalate in severity as the the mother becomes more and more convinced that these neighbors are. Fucking with them. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And, and, um, yeah, it's not, I guess I don't know why I thought that it was a comedy necessarily. There, well, there's moments in it that, yeah. I mean, really, it's looking ridiculous. at how it ends, yeah. that's pretty comedic. Yeah. Like, in a way, it's very, very, very dark. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, if you're a fan of Icelandic sagas, you'll, um, see some similar plots. Yeah, we both really liked it a lot. It's, uh, I don't even know how to summarize, like, how... I think we did a good job summarizing. I just like how, how I feel about it. Oh, I see. Yeah, but it's fine. Keep moving. All right. So last but definitely not least is the documentary Won't You Be My Neighbor, which explored Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, a show that Andrew and I both grew up on. And that is, I think being widely released it's in already a, out yeah. well it's it's on limited release right now okay and it's getting fully released on the 29th okay. i believe okay. but um you'll probably have a, a really good chance of seeing this movie if you're anywhere near north america at least so it, it was a really really touching look at fred rogers and like the the topics that he explored on his show and and just how truly groundbreaking and um radical it was and just the way he had so much empathy and love for everybody. Yeah. And and how, how much he brought kindness and this deep respect and caring for anybody. Yeah. Essentially. It was extremely touching and not in a sappy way. Right. And feels like super relevant right now when we're in America so politically at each other's throats. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much cynicism and nastiness and inability to find common ground and have dialogue uh, with each other. Unwillingness. Yeah, yeah, unwillingness. Yeah, total unwillingness in a lot of cases. You know, it just kind of made me really sad thinking about like, oh my god, how how upset would Fred Rogers be if he were seeing <laughs> what's going on now and yeah. and just like. Well, we've kind of really failed you, yeah. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. As a country, we've kind of failed you. Yeah. Pretty badly. Um, 
But that's it's, not to say we can't have hope yeah, that we can recover. And it, it kind of shows us that we can be better. Yeah. Than, no matter what, you always be. have the chance of being better. Yeah. There's, you know, it's not ridiculous or sappy or pointless to care about other people or it doesn't mean that you're weak to show empathy for other people. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a really positive movie. It's really super touching. Like, it, I think there's been a lot of talk on the internet about people crying just watching the trailer. And it's like, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The movie theater, like, when we saw it, uh, it was totally packed. And there was not a dry eye in the house. Like, everybody was crying at various points throughout the movie. Or, or multiple points. Multiple points, yeah. <laughs> or some people just maybe continuously crying, <laughs> yeah. potentially. Do yourself a favor and bring tissues. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure everybody's saying that, but but for real. Yeah, and it's, you know, you're like, oh, I don't want to cry at a movie. It's like, it's a good movie. Don't let that just really don't from let seeing it. it. Because it, it's mm-hmm. a movie with, like, a really important sentiment behind it and, and message to it. And it's just, aside from that, even, it, it's really amazing to see what he did, like, what Fred Rogers did. In How his he life. could, what he was able to accomplish and just, like, and just this, the just stuff such an unlikely he, story. Yeah, just like the topics that he tackled, like just yeah. There's a clip in the trailer where it's like showing one of the puppets. Was it Daniel Tiger? I think Daniel maybe? Tiger. Yeah, he's like, "What's assassination?" And we're like, "Holy shit!" Like that he talked about like assassination like on a kids show in the, the late '60s. That is incredibly brave to take on the task. I mean, because it was something that kids needed to hear about yeah like he was right in doing it but it's still just like the balls that he must have had to see like all right well this is what we're gonna do like we need to address this kids need to hear somebody talking to them about this and not just hearing things secondhand or overhearing stuff and yeah not getting a full understanding of, of what's going on it's just you cannot underestimate the amount of emotional intelligence he had, you know, and particularly yeah. for children and like yeah. the understand the deep understanding of how to treat children and talk with them and 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 their ability to understand and and um yeah yeah understand complex and difficult topics. Yeah, so he was he was one of a kind in a good way. Unlike uh, Prospect, it's sad to think that we don't really have anybody that comes close to feeling. Those yeah, those, uh, those, cardigan. Yeah. Uh, on that note, that that was the the last of the movies that we well, alphabetically. Not, alphabetically, the yeah, last. it's not chronologically the last of the movies that we we had to talk about. So, um, well, I guess to talk about it was alphabetically and chronologically the last of the movies <laughs> we're talking about, but not the <laughs> not chronologically the last movies that we saw. But so, anyways, let me explain this. <laughs> Uh, I should not have had that 3% alcohol <laughs> before we started recording this. Oh, boy. <sighs> Refreshing. Yeah. Refreshingly different. That's what it says. Is it? No, oh, no. It's not that different. It's a Rattler. It's a Rattler. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that that is it. That ends our episode. Um, and, yeah, uh, we will... See you all in our next regular episode, and uh, until then, catch, catch you, you later, later potato, potato heads. heads.